Hey, welcome back to the podcast. This week we're telling the story of Air Transit Flight 236. Thanks for listening. Mariah? Hey. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, of course. I'm excited. You do. This is a good one. This is a good one. Of course, it's not the one I was planning on doing an hour and a half ago, but <laughs> but it is a good one. Yeah, we roll with it. It's good. We gotta. We gotta. <laughs> uh, today we are talking about Transit Air Flight 236. Nope, Air Transit. We know what it is. Yeah. Air Transit. Do you know Air Transit? Nope. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's like a Quebecois uh, airline. Okay. So okay. it's Canadian but it's uh, based in Montreal or Quebec, one of the one of the French-Canadian airports. Gotcha, um, gotcha. And, yeah. Uh, so, and it's like a, a current still-flying airline. Oh, okay. Uh, this flight took place on August 24th, 2001. Oof. Right, exactly. That's what I thought. I was like, oof, all these people, oof. man. Had no man. idea. Had no idea. No. Nope. How wild things were about to get. Oh, seriously. Yeah, seriously. Uh, the plane in question is a two-year-old little baby, a little hey. baby two-year-old plane, <laughs> a little Airbus A330. So, um, an Air A330 is a plane that you. There's a healthy chance you've been on it, especially mm. maybe flying overseas. <laughs> it's uh, well, depending on the. Uh, configuration uh, the configuration on air transit is 333 in the back so like a big plane right two aisle uh, mm. aircraft so their plane was configured to hold 440 people wow <laughs> yeah so big big boy big plane yeah. um big baby plane <laughs> uh and uh, but it has two engines so it has two giant engines. Wow. Rather than only like two. Okay. Only two. Only two. Not even a third engine on the on the tail. Wow. Yeah. So but they're they're giant. I think if you ever see like pictures of um I don't know, just wings that or not wings, but engines that are just humongous. Yeah. They're, they're like that. Uh we are flying from Toronto to Lisbon, Portugal. So yeah, a nice little flight. It's eight hours. Yeah, across the Osho. Um, the pilots. Okay, these pilots. Their names: Robert Pichet. Perfect. Uh, who's forty-eight? He's the captain, and Dirk de Jaeger. I don't know how to say it. Dirk de Jaeger. I think okay. that's my best guess. Okay. But um, if you look them up, not right now, but later, if you look them up, uh, that's for the, the our friends, not for you. You can look up anything right. you want. But they look and sound, if you were like, I would like one Quebecois Canadian and one regular Canadian, yeah. these are the pictures you would hand somebody. You'd be Perfect. like, here they are, the representatives of Canada. Uh, Dirk is 28. Uh, so little guy or okay. young guy, young guy. Uh, we have 306 people on board, so uh, w- only 293 passengers. Hmm. So we got some empty seats. We got some empty seats. Maybe yeah. people have like the middle seat in between them open and stuff like that. So yeah. uh, 13 crew, so two pilots, two engines, 
uh, 11 flight attendants. Wow. Uh, the plane is going to take off in the evening. So we've kind of talked about how m- the vast majority of flights that go um, from North America to Europe fly out in the evening. Uh, that way they arrive in the morning. So people who have meetings or whatever, you can start your day right over there. Right. Yeah. Uh, so this flight is taking off right around nine o'clock from Toronto. Plane is getting ready to take off. Uh, nothing, nothing wrong. Normal day. It's not delayed. Like nice, normal flight. Um, pilots for flights like this, you know, show up fresh. So everybody is raring to go. Portugal is super pretty. And um, the uh, pilot, our boy, Robert. I keep wanting to say Roger, <laughs> like stick Roger. it together. <laughs> Roger, like chocolates or whatever. Right, no, right. Robert. Robert. Is, yeah, he's a conscientious pilot, right? And he, so when pilots, um, pilots have to sign off on the amount of fuel, right? The captain decides how much fuel is going on board. And there's pressure on them to take as little fuel as possible uh, within regulations, right? Because fuel is heavy and so you burn more fuel carrying the fuel. So it's not efficient. Um, but Robert takes 10% more fuel than he needs. And for clarity, like within the regulations, the amount of fuel that they take includes enough fuel to go to whatever their um, the airports are, the alternate airports where they might have to go if they had to divert. So it's already more fuel than they expect to need. And he takes 10% more. So uh, they take off and as they're flying. So if you ever look, there's like animations and videos of this because all of the flights going across the Atlantic Ocean in that direction kind of follow this path. Right. They're all kind of lined up behind each other Mm -hmm. um, because that's the sweet spot. Right. Where they get to um, have like the good air currents and everything. So they Mm -hmm. kind of go on like a highway through the sky. Uh, but because it's so crowded, uh, it's summertime, all that, right? So because it's so crowded, they're flying along that same path, but 60 miles to the south. So, okay. yeah. So n- normal thing. Totally. 60 miles is nothing, right? In aviation. So right. uh, it's like, if, you know, a minute or whatever in the air. So not not really. Nobody call me out on that. <laughs> but, right, right. <laughs> um, and so they take off right around nine. And they're flying along that big highway in the sky and they fly for five and a half hours Mm. of an eight hour flight. Everything's normal. Mm -hmm. It's probably super quiet, eating the dinner or whatever, you know, just totally normal flight. Right. And uh, one of the things that pilots do while they're flying. So the, my understanding that someone can correct is that, um, there's not like a ton going on usually, right? On a, on a normal flight, on a normal day, um, on a long haul flight like that, there's not like loads to do while the plane is flying along, right? Like it would take off landing if anything goes wrong, if there's a storm, like there's, they can get real busy real fast. Yeah. Um, but they do, but they are doing some stuff. I think maybe there, there can be the impression that they like take off, put the, uh, the autopilot on and then like take a nap for the whole time until it's time to land it's not quite that simple so one of the things that they do is uh do fuel checks right uh, and what the fuel check is is they check how much fuel they have remaining and compare that to what they should have remaining to see how efficiently they're burning fuel 
right? It tells them if, uh, you know, if something is wrong with the engines, obviously they'll change fuel consumption. Like it's one of the ways to kind of monitor the health of the aircraft. It tells them if, you know, if they're flying efficiently, it also tells them if they have enough fuel, right? If, if something is wrong in the fuel department, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they, uh, five and a half hours in, they do their fuel check and it's fine. Nothing. Everything's fine. So they uh, check how much fuel they got. They check how much fuel they're supposed to have. Everything's fine. Okay, now we're done for another half hour. They do it every half hour. Um, they're for reference. So there's two major um, fuel tanks on the plane. Uh, there's going to there's gonna be a few smaller ones, but the big ones are in each wing to power each engine. So each engine is on each wing and each uh, engine has its own fuel tank. Mm, okay. um, a few minutes after their fuel check, not long, they get one of those ECAM messages. Remember the ECAM, the computer that oh, you know yeah. monitors everything? Yeah. Uh, they get the little ding and it says high oil pressure, hmm. low oil temperature on engine two. That's the engine on the right side of the aircraft. Okay. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. They're looking at it and they're just like, I, what could this mean? What is, what is low oil temperature if anything oil gets warmer as they're flying along right right and it's just a very very strange reading that makes no sense and they don't know what they mean together and they don't really know what they mean in isolation so they're just like this i don't why why is this happening so uh they uh the robert tells dirk to do what the ecam says right to and to check the manuals and try to find something like what just what does that mean they can't find anything so they call air transit right they they pick up their little phone and they call uh the headquarters or the maintenance department at headquarters and they say like this is the reading we're getting low oil temperature and high oil pressure and the maintenance guys are like i don't know either that doesn't make any sense so what they think is it's just the computer being annoying like it's just computer nonsense right especially in 2001 like robert's been flying okay he's 48 so he's been flying for uh he could probably flying commercially for close to i mean 15 to 20 years right he's been flying for a long time and he was fine before computers like you know like like he's you know damn computers messing up again Right, we just went through Y2K, like everybody's right. mistrustful of computers, <laughs> as they should be. Yeah. And so he just thinks like, okay, it's just a, it's just a computer malfunction, right? Um, so they like clickety-clack, tell the cam, like, got it, okay. And they just go back to flying on their totally normal flight. Uh, they, there's a lot of notes for today. Uh, so... As they're flying, right, uh, right along normal, everything's normal. Those they turned off those messages about the cold fuel or, or cold oil or whatever. It doesn't make mm. any sense. And uh, they certain was Dirk sees that on the gauge, the fuel on the right hand side is dropping faster than the fuel on the left on the left side. So engine two on the right side, the one that has the cold oil or whatever, now all of a sudden is uh, the fuel gauge is dropping on that one. And they 
again, don't know why, but they're already real suspicious of the computer on that side of the plane, mm-hmm. right? They don't know what's up with it. So they're kind of like, is, you know, is this just another computer malfunction? Like, why is that happening? Um, when they check, you know, they got their checklist manuals. So they open it up and it says that if that happens uh, and you don't think it's a fuel leak, right, then you're supposed to open the crossfeed valve. So a crossfeed valve um, is going to be like a little, like a lock, like a lock system, like in the Erie Canal, right? Or mm-hmm. the Panama Canal, right? So basically there's a little um, lock valve in the middle of the plane in between those two tanks on either wing that you open if one of the engines is like burning less efficiently or something and you want to even out the amount of uh, fuel on both sides you just open that up and it'll just you know naturally uh level out right Right, like like share yeah yeah they exactly share sharing is so good (laughs) sharing is caring sharing is caring um so they don't have any reason to think there's a fuel leak they literally just checked the fuel a few minutes ago and it was fine right they don't have any reason to think it's a fuel leak there's nothing indicating there's a fuel leak right i guess besides the fact that there's less fuel in that one now but Mm. so they open the crossfeed valve and let it like level out right uh, and that's something that happens pretty fast, right? Just like, you know, uh, any liquid is going to kind of rush to the lowest point. So once you open that crossfeed valve, it should level out really quickly. It's worth saying that it, it's important to keep it level, not only because the, that way the engines can work together like a good team, but also you're going to get weight and balance problems, right? Because right. fuel is heavy. So if you <clears throat> have too much fuel on one side, not a fuel on the other side, it's going to tilt the plane, right? Or it's going to make the plane... Um, off balance yeah yeah exactly um so they again are just like these computers everything is so weird why is it doing this um they are sorry as they're flying along right so they like everything is so weird uh after a few minutes dirk our boy dirk checks the fuel consumption again right and says uh they have not leveled out and we are still losing fuel in that right engine too fast right Uh, so they call the flight attendant in and they say like hey will you take this flashlight and go to the window and look out the window and see if you can see any fuel leaking out of the right hand engine and she goes, sure, and, like, gets up, and everybody's asleep in the cabin, so it's probably kind of weird if you see the flight attendant come in right. with a flashlight to look out the window. Have you ever been on a plane where that happened, where anything no. like that happened? No. I was <laughs> I was on a flight exactly one time where the, uh, like, co-pilot came out, the first officer came out and, like, looked out the window, like, oh to check something, God. and I was definitely like, oh, boy, what's going on? What is happening? Right. And he's like very like putting on a like jolly face. Like of just course. happy to check on the plane. Just making <laughs> like, sure yeah, we're but... not on fire. <laughs> right. Right. Seriously. Yeah. Um, because again, it I know it's such like a funny thing, but we come back to it over and over again that the pilots really like can't see this stuff. Right? right. You can't see the plane that you're on. No one can go outside and take a walk around, you know, like mm-hmm. you can only see what you can see from inside the aircraft right. so you would think yeah. by now they would have developed like cameras or something like a camera i think system. about that all the time like, right yeah what, what i've heard people say with that is that what would that 
if there were cameras all over the plane so that the pilots could see other parts of the plane, those cameras, like everything else, would break. And if they broke, then would the airline be required to, like, cancel the flight or delay the flight while Mm. it gets fixed? It's, like, another thing that can break and another thing that can get fixed. And even though it's not absolutely necessary, once you add something to a plane like that, maybe it becomes absolutely necessary. Right, right. And so everybody just kind of, like, looks the other way. And it's like, yeah, "Yeah, what are you talking? I've never heard of cameras. (laughs) There are no cameras. (laughs) We can't do that. Right, can't do that. That'd be bananas. Silly. Right. Um, so the flight attendant goes out with the flashlight, opens up the window, peeks out, looks at the engine, and it's pitch black right. because it's nighttime. <laughs> and she doesn't see anything. So she comes back and is like, I don't see anything. I don't know. It's dark. Like, here's your flashlight back. And it, so they keep flying along, right? But as they're flying along, again, Dirk does another fuel check. Dirk is... Dirk's a younger man. Dirk trusts computers a little bit more, right? Let's just be honest here. Dirk is checking everything, does another fuel check, and he's like, hey, like, we are we are losing fuel. (laughs) Like, we are going through fuel too fast. And we like, it, it hasn't leveled out. We still have more fuel on the left side than the right side, and we are losing too much fuel, too fast. Uh, He does math, right? He, like, does everything like on his like piece of paper does math and says like if these numbers are correct if this is the accurate amount of fuel we have we are not going to make it to lisbon right which right serious right even with that extra 10 percent of fuel right yeah right so that's i mean again where are they gonna land i mean they're in the middle of the ocean aren't they well exactly where are you (laughs) gonna land right what happens if you you're five and a half hours in you can't turn around Right. right And you can't make it to Lisbon, which like, is pretty much all the way on the on the west sides. coast. Yeah. Of, yeah. So Robert calls air traffic control and says, uh, we need to know what our alternates are from where we are now. Like, what's the nearest airport to where we are? And there's the Azores. So in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, there's some volcanic islands called the Azores or Azores. I've heard them called. Um, and they belong to Portugal. And it's oh. actually the the most lighthearted story in colonialism because there actually wasn't anyone living there when they got there. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. Job, and, guys. Yeah, exactly. They're actually, it was actually empty of, of other humans. So um, they, uh, the Azores are um, just south of um, Iceland, I guess. So okay. like well south. So, and they're... Uh, not they're pretty far from the like the main azores like the whatever it is i don't remember spl or something the um, main airport in the azores okay but they're not so very far from a military airport on this little island called uh lejas i keep wanting to say tejas but it's lejas lejas and who's who's military uh uh portugal okay yeah, so it's it's one of the Azorian islands, I guess, if that's right. Yeah. So they uh, – now, when we say close, we're 350 miles away from it. <laughs> okay. So, like, close, but, uh, but it is close enough when they, you know, see the amount of fuel they have remaining. It is close enough that they can reach with the remaining fuel, right? Yeah. If the numbers are correct with the remaining fuel, they can make it there. 
the air traffic controller asks if they're declaring an emergency, like, hey, like, you know, is this, are you actually declaring an emergency or are you just diverting? And Robert is like, let's not declare an emergency yet. Like, let's, oh let's keep it, keep it light, keep it chill. Like, we're just gonna, we're gonna, we're, we are, our computer is telling us that we don't have enough fuel. Our Could computer be is telling us that we are going through fuel too quickly. So we're going to obey the computer and get the plane down as fast as we can. Yeah. But I don't think it's an emergency. So uh, as they're talking, like, again, we don't have the CVR recording. It doesn't, you can't listen to the CVR recording. It's not public. But mm. the, um, uh, according to people who have uh, heard it, they're the whole time they're just like, it's a computer. It's just a dumb computer, right? And as they're like flying along, one of the things Robert says, I wrote it down because it's a great quote. I really hope it's just a computer bug because if we land in the Azores with half a plane full of fuel, they'll crucify us. Yeah. Right? Yeah, exactly. If he lands, and even though the every indication they have right now is that they're losing fuel, right, or going through it too quickly, um, if they land and the plane actually is full of fuel and totally could have made it, then it's still, I mean, it's embarrassing. It's, it's you know, you don't know how your airline is going to respond to it. They're going right. to find a way to say, like, oh, but this thing, you should have known that there was fuel, whatever, right. you know. Um, so... But as they're starting to head towards, so they do turn toward Lajos, right? Because they're they're being cautious, right? So they turn toward Lajos and fly toward Lajos for uh, twenty five mile or twenty five minutes. So they had actually overshot that Lajos by a bit. So they had to turn uh, back a little bit and south. So they are like actually coming back around and going south. So they. Uh, Robert tells the uh, flight attendants, you know, that uh, can you ask everybody to like put their trade tables up, like kind of treat it like we were going to land, but he doesn't make an announcement. Like he doesn't tell everybody. Was, he doesn't loop everybody in. Right. Uh -oh. Especially when it's the middle of the night and everybody's right. mostly asleep. Um, he doesn't want people to get scared. He doesn't want people to freak out. Um, but he does ask the flight attendants to kind of uh, just go through the cabin, get all the garbage, ask people to put their trade tables up if they're awake, like just kind of cinch everything in in the mm. cabin. All of a sudden, the lights start to flicker in the cabin. Nope. And then shut off. Nope. Because engine two ran out of fuel <gasps> and flamed out. Oh, my God. Not an emergency. I mean, not a yeah. non-emergency anymore. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Engine two flames out. As they glide, as they, so we've got engine one still. We're going along at 39,000 feet. Oh, my 39, gosh. 39,000 feet. The lights all shut off. Engine two dies. Oof. Now we know it's an emergency, like you yep. said. Yep. So uh, Dirk is kind of like, oh, like not I told yeah, you right. so, but like, hey, buddy, like, yeah. Um, this is an emergency. Now they know, exactly. Now they realize it's an emergency. They um, are extremely shocked. They, uh, uh, the Robert orders Dirk to send all of the remaining fuel, whatever fuel there is, into the left side engine, the engine one, right, to preserve whatever they have on board. It, there's still this question of, um, like, they don't, 
really trust the computers. They don't feel like they know exactly how much fuel they have on board, but they right. know the engine two just ran out of fuel. Oh uh, all of the uh, lights cut off in the cabin are flickered and like dimmed, or and some of the functions, like the you know less necessary functions, start to cut off. So people in the cabin are starting to be like, "Oh, what's going on? What's why is what's happening?" Okay. Um, so there is like a little bit of fear starting to develop in the cabin. As they start to divert all of the fuel into uh, the engine one tank, they uh, can't maintain 39,000 feet on one engine, right? So they start to gently drop down to 33,000 feet. They tell air traffic control in Lajos, they tell them like, okay, it's an emergency now. We only have, you know, one engine, engine two flamed out. Uh, another great quote from our buddy Robert, uh, this can't be, I'm not going to go completely dry on this fucking airplane. <laughs> just perfect yeah perfection i'm gonna get that tattooed (laughs) so uh they can't maintain 39,000 feet they start to dip down air traffic control tells them they're 135 nautical miles from lejas which means that they're in the like 20 minute range away from the airport now they they start to drop down to 33,000 feet uh the Robert asks Dirk to do the math and see how far they are, like how how far they can make it. How much time do we have left with with what it says we have for fuel and with one engine? And he said he does the math and says fourteen or fifteen minutes. Right. So right, not they they are too far away from the airport. Yeah. Uh, finally, and they overshot it. Right. Well, exactly. They had overshot it before. Exactly. So as they're dropping down to 33,000 feet, engine one flames out. Nope. They're completely out of fuel. Oh, my God. Every drop is gone. I do have a question about the, the, the engines, though. Please. So do the individual engines control separate things? Like, did the lights die out because the engine died out? So, yeah, the the lights cut out. So it's more like, um, so, you know, if like you are cold um, and you're uh, like, if you're really, really, really cold, your body is like fingers are out, nose is out, ears are done, like toes are gone, like because your body's trying to keep like the center of your body warm. Mm. um, And it so it's like abandoning less necessary parts of your body trying to preserve your organs, right? Or if you fall forward, you like will break your you might break your hand or your wrist because your body will automatically put your hands out because that's just like less important than your head or whatever. So it's more so as they so all of the electricity on board the plane is is created by the engines. Right. Mm. And uh, so as if the and if one engine like flames out or in this case, two engines flame out and you have no engines left, then all of the electrical functions will go down. Right. right. So if that answers your question. And well, and yes, thank you. And if engine one died first, the lights would still be the first thing to go. Right. So, so they, right. So stuff like lights okay. or the, um, but like, it's not contingent on which engine goes first. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Okay. Just less electricity in general. Okay. Yeah. So w- now that engine one has flamed out and they have no engines and they are just gliding silently oh through the God. sky in the pitch at, black, in the pitch black, over the ocean, over the ocean at 33,000 feet. Okay. Now the cabin starts to erupt. Like people in the cabin really really started to panic. Mm-hmm. And I know we don't usually talk about what the cabin is like, but I I'm just positive that the pilots would have been able to hear 
people from and that I don't know maybe they don't maybe maybe your mind like pushes everything out you don't you don't hear anything you don't see anything you're just focused on what you're doing that seems totally possible but with no engines making noise with the natural silence that comes along with that I just imagine there's no way that they weren't hearing the passengers and the god bless the flight attendants right who are also on board the plane and who also want to live but have to like uh try to keep people safe and keep people calm so another thing on an a330 that's controlled by the electricity produced by the engines is pressurization so as the electricity cuts out the uh, plane starts to depressurize and we all know friends of the show all know that if you your cabin depressurizes you need to drop down to 10,000 feet Mm -hmm. as fast as you can where you can breathe but Mm -hmm. you can't drop down to 10,000 feet when you're trying to prolong your glide time as long as you can right so they drop the electricity or the electricity they drop the oxygen masks down the passenger the pilots put their uh, oxygen masks on and they tell the flight attendants to prepare for a water ditching oh my god and i know we've talked about this before but a water ditching in general is is not in any way like a safe easy thing right a water ditching is very very dangerous and uh one of the things i read was that an eighth an a330 is like particularly the shape of the plane is particularly ill-suited to a water landing in general because the uh shape of the tail the tail is low so what can happen very 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 easily on any plane if you don't land perfectly level or even if you do land perfectly level but a wave comes up and smacks your plane right because you're over the ocean then the it'll catch one of the wings and either snap that wing off or spin the plane or probably both right Mm -hmm. Um, but on an A330 the uh, shape of the tail is such that in all there's a very high prob- probability that the tail will get caught on the water and snap off right which means like a there's people in there right that's not good but also now the the plane isn't going to float for any length of time because yeah. the the back of the plane just snapped off and there's a huge hole in the back of the plane just to be clear in case this I'm telling the story in a weird way this has not occurred they are still in the air at 33,000 feet okay yeah. and dropping 33,000 feet and dropping uh so another fun fact awesome fact the most delightful fact of this entire episode no doubt about an a330 is that so we've talked about the um apu like the auxiliary power units that um different planes have like how do you maintain the most vital electrical functions when you have no engines well on the a330 there is a baby belly windmill okay a little windmill pops down from the belly of the plane Stop. and just spins like a windmill amazing and powers everything powers not everything to be clear just the sure. most vital functions but can you imagine i mean who someone thought of that yep. like okay what happens if like the truly the most devastating moment of these people's lives occur and they lose engines completely they have no electricity how are we going to power it you know like what we're gonna do we're gonna have a little pinwheel <laughs> drop down from the belly and just spin just in the air oh, amazing I, oh engineers i know we we love engineers yes. on this show but just oh beautiful. they're just different they're just built different built different that i love thinking about that baby and it's just wind. powered yes it's just powered by wind it's just powered by wind yeah it just spins oh. in the wind because you're going along you're going real fast right so you got plenty of power for the vital functions and um so they do that which just again 
beautiful. Um, they, again, but uh, they're discussing all the, you know, different problems that there would be with the water ditching, but they have to prepare for a ditching, right? So they tell the flight attendants to prepare for a ditching. The flight attendants now, again, if you think about how scary the cabin is, right, just the, it's pitch black. Um, the uh, Again, it's, it's not clear, but my guess is at this point, the sun is just starting to come up if people have their windows open, which they might not, right? But it's still very, very dark. You can see the flight attendants running up and down the hall, uh, handing out life jackets, right? Mm-hmm. And, and everybody knows, I think, that you, there's a life jacket in your seat, yeah. but there's not a baby life jacket if you have a baby mm-hmm. or if you have a small child or if you are like bigger than those sizes are made yeah. for, right? So like there's, you know, a lot of different people of different sizes on a plane. Right. And so the flight attendants have to be able to hand out the um, life jackets to everybody uh, who needs one, an additional one, right? Uh, and so and they're putting theirs on, which again, just like the terror of this, no electricity, total silence from the engines, flight attendants running around, handing out life jackets. I'm sure they seem scared. Um, and you don't really, you have no idea what's going on, right? Like you just don't know what's happening. Uh, and if you look down out the window, all you see is ocean. So uh, the, uh, they're, so they can't they can't um, drop quickly to repressure or to make pressurization not a thing. People have to put their oxygen masks on, um, which probably does help a little bit just because it keeps people like in their seat. Right. Like it keeps people from panicking and trying to get up or like run around the cabin or do anything like that because you have to stay connected to the oxygen um, and they have to because otherwise they won't be able to breathe. Right. They'll they'll pass out. So. They are gliding along toward Lajas and they're 80 miles out. So 80 miles out, they communicate with air traffic control. Air traffic control says, like, I can see you on my uh, radar, which is a good feeling. And you uh, should be able to see the airport yourself soon. But they're coming, they're, they're sinking, obviously. Uh, and they're speeding up as they're sinking, right? So we talked about that before, but just basic gravity, you, it's, it's, um, if you pull the nose of the plane up, the plane is naturally going to slow down a little bit if you don't add power, but if your nose is tipped down or if you're descending, you're going to speed up naturally, right? Because gravity is a thing. And so they need to make it to the runway a but once they make it to the runway they need to be going slowly enough that they can actually stop on the runway and they don't have uh reverse thrusters on their engines because their engines are just nothing right now paperweights right they don't have a flaps spoilers they don't have spoilers they don't have reverse thrusters they don't have uh, flaps. So the plane, even on a on the best day, even if they landed at exactly the right speed, they would still have a difficult time stopping. Mm-hmm. But they are also going too fast, right? Yeah. Uh, but they also need that speed because they need to make it all the way to the runway, right? So as they get closer and closer, there's like one little thing that stood out to me where the air traffic controller was like, you should be able to see the airport. And they were just like, no, we cannot see it. <laughs> and they, and that happened a couple of times until finally they spot it, right? They see the runway. Oh, thank God. And as they see it, they are too high and too fast. And you get one shot at this, yeah. period, yep. right? There 
is no adding power and taking off again. They need to touch down on the runway at the right point, at the right speed, period. And so in order to lose altitude and speed, uh, Robert starts to fly in circles Mm. and like little S shapes, which again, going to say, I think it would be scary if you were in the cabin, right? Because now... Uh, maybe you even spot the the runway or you spot the island out the window. Um, but uh, now we're going in a circle. Now we're turning away from it. Now we're right. flying in an S, right? But as they do that, they start to slowly uh, lose altitude, which they need to because, again, they need to touch down on that runway. Um, but they're not losing speed. They're, if anything, gaining a small amount of speed. So in order to land, they the, the maximum landing speed on a A330 is... Uh, 170 knots and they cannot get it below 200 knots right so they keep trying to get it down they are um, keeping the uh, the gear the landing gear up until they like the last minute trying to I don't know just keep the plane I don't totally get that but I'm not a pilot so um, they're keeping the landing gear up maybe just to keep the plane more controllable I'm not sure Um, so they are trying everything they can like trying to like gently lift the nose of the plane trying really hard to slow the plane down and they just can't they just can't Mm. so finally they're because they're going to run out of altitude it doesn't matter that they're going too fast they just need to put the plane down so they line up with the runway and are sinking right at the right rate to land on the runway but still going too fast so sinking down sinking down all of the people in the cabin are screaming screaming there's just total panic in the cabin as they come down they slam onto the ground Mm -hmm. slam onto the ground all eight tires explode which again puts them in serious danger of catching fire it's not like they can just throw the brakes on because the landing gear will burst into flames so they slam the landing gear down all four all eight tires break they just skid down the runway no flaps no reverse thrusters and like skid 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 along 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 there's like ten thousand feet on this runway i think skid 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 use up so much of the runway and finally come to a stop they come to a stop and everybody in the cabin is just like wow like you're really really happy and the flight attendants are screaming at everybody like get off Off the the plane plane. immediately which i will say something that's great is usually you can't get off the plane immediately and it's one of the things that can happen where people can get hurt or people can panic you uh want to get off the run off the plane as fast as you can but they have to turn the engines off before you get off the plane period they have to turn the engines off because otherwise you're going to get off the plane and get ingested into the engine yeah so wait and uh but but this time there's no engines (laughs) so the flight attendants throw the doors open and start to like toss people out pretty much everybody slides out runs out everybody gets off that plane yes and everybody lives oh beautiful everybody lives friggin robert and dirk dirk and robert did they it. did it they did it oh, they did love it. To hear it yes there were a handful of injuries from the actual evacuation process right because people were like really like you know fleeing off yeah. that plane sure um, dark as hell. oh my gosh and they they had just i don't know they did it they did it amazing and they, 
and they did not uh, get crucified for landing with half a tank full of gas or whatever because they had absolutely no fuel at right. all. Not right. a drop. Not a drop. God. <sighs> so. That's, wow. Yeah. So now we get the, the why, right? Like, why did this happen? Yeah. So five days before this flight. Mm. Uh, the engine. So the engines are actually made by Rolls Royce. I don't know if that's like okay. okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. I really, okay. Yeah. Rolls, Rolls Royce. Royce engines. Yeah. Rolls Royce makes a lot of jet engines. Actually, they're like a major producer of jet engines. Okay. And, <laughs> right. That's why. That's why it cost eighteen million dollars when that. Uh. That. It was the plane we did, the KLM flight that lost all its engines. That's why it's eighteen million dollars. Well, I mean, them. then stop buying from Rolls Royce. I don't know what to tell you. People. Get some Toyota engines. Get some fucking Toyota engines in there. Kia engines don't not Toyota. Gosh. Toyota. Yeah. So Rolls oh, Royce had uh they they had needed uh service on one of the engines right for this aircraft and so they had gotten actually a whole new engine from rolls royce how nice so when they got the new engine they took the old engine off and they put the new engine on um but rolls royce didn't send uh literally like nothing but something they didn't send one bracket and two little plastic tubes oh my god out of the whole engine and if you've ever seen like or if you look at a picture of like how complex a jet engine is it's insane they didn't send the bracket and they didn't send the little tubes that's rough and the maintenance guys at air transit uh are like i know what to do i take the old ones so they took the old ones but the old one is less than two millimeters too small less than two less than two millimeters the tiniest tiniest difference oh my gosh but because of that because they didn't have those pieces the actual fuel lines right the the tubes that bring the fuel um rubbed against each other just a little bit Mm -hmm. just a little bit but because they rubbed against each other obviously there's a lot of um you know engines are have like a little bit of shake sometimes right and just everything that's going on with them uh over the course of those five days it just rubbed and rubbed and rubbed and rubbed until finally it just rubbed a little hole into that fuel line and just poured 17 tons of fuel into the ocean shit yeah yeah tons yeah yeah tons it's measured in tons yeah yeah oh my Uh, gosh and the yeah, if you ever look out at like the fuel trucks, like um, if you're at the airport and you look out, uh, the your plane will be fueled 100% of the time before you get on it. You will go out and see that they're refueling it. Mm. And I mean, if you think about that, the fuel trucks are like refilled all day. Like they fill up the truck with the fuel, they drive it over the plane, they put it all on the plane, and they go back and get more. Wow. Um, which, if anybody has that job, I want to talk to you. Definitely email us if you have that job. Yeah. Uh, side note, because of course, 100% of our stories will have this element. Uh, the maintenance guy who replaced the engines, or one of the guys that takes more than one guy to replace an engine, uh, said to a supervisor, like, hey, we don't have the bracket and the tubes, and uh, we should like get the parts. 
And his supervisor said, like, we can't wait for the part. Like, we we can't do that. The plane will be out of commission. Like, it'll cost, again, literally millions of dollars if we wait. And more importantly, for the maintenance guys, it will affect their job because they'll say, like, oh, you just didn't you didn't get your work done in time. Right. right? That's how they'll see it. It doesn't matter if they don't have the parts. The way they'll see it is you didn't get your work done in time. Now you're in trouble. So uh, they had just worked with what they had which it was not sufficient and canada came down hard on air yeah Canada. they did yeah they did it, i think at the time i don't I remember the figure but at the time it was like the biggest fine that the whatever it is ctsb i don't know the canadian transportation uh, authority whatever it is mm-hmm. it's like the high the biggest fine they ever gave an airline was for that one damn yeah well again because if money is i get that idea behind that because if money is the reason why you're not doing what you're supposed to do is because it'll cost too much money you have to make it more expensive right, right. for people uh to not do the right thing right so right yeah. like i understand that that portion of it like still very wrong call good job Mm -hmm. canada for Mm -hmm. for doing that but and i also think like this is a story of we were kind of talking about this it was either last time or or a few times ago but um like there's gonna be human error there's like there's 100 going to be human error like somebody messed up and didn't send that part the maintenance guy like whatever talked to a supervisor and that that whole thing could have been avoided but fine used a, a different part that seemingly fit and was yeah barely too small like sure right. it should work and it's just like i don't know just those human errors that couldn't necessarily have been i they could have been avoided but you get what well, i'm they, saying yeah they stack up right like they yeah. stack and yeah. and you again i don't think it's not that people think something is going to happen and do this anyway. Exactly. Right? It's not that they're like, I bet this will be a disaster. I'm going to do it. Like, it's not that right. at all. You know? No, it's like, I'm going to shove this thing in here because it fits. Like, right. it fits. And I, and, and they, and I have, you know, 60 more planes I got to work on or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like, and I, you know, you got to, I'm, I'm sure that the, um, like, kind of person who goes into that kind of work is dedicated, right, to their, um, to, to doing a good job right yeah. and and again that goes back to the same with our boy on british airways nine right like that i or not nine whichever flight it was british airways flight where the guy got pulled out of the window um yeah. it's they they are professionals right who like yeah. all professionals have to use their best judgment and that your judgment can fail you that's like a kind of human error right yeah. like yeah. having having your judgment fail you is is a kind of human error so right um those are just like i don't know it just seems easier to take in i guess is those kind of like mistakes like hum, just general over like overarching human error right well that's so that's the other thing is that they um the pilots saved the day like bless them yeah. but of course everybody has to see if the pilots could have done anything differently and there is a question about like there's so the pilots did have reason to think there was a fuel leak yeah right in retrospect right it's it's really easy to see that there was a fuel leak right but that right the fact that the computers have errors too and the fact that that initial reading made no sense right that's part of what set them up for failure yeah right those the initial like fuel cold or not fuel oil cold low oil temperature right apparently when i was researching it apparently 
the reason why a low oil temperature reading even exists is because it can indicate that fuel has somehow gotten mixed into the oil. Ah, okay. But it's not in the manual. The pilots don't know that. Like nobody, that's Mm. not, that's not common knowledge. This is like a reading that you would easily go like your whole career without ever seeing. Right. Wow. Yeah. And so that initial, and it just made no sense. It made no sense to gather it. So that initial reading being so odd, right. Is part of what set them up to think that the computers are just being daft. Right. They just thought something was wrong with the computers. And that's part of what like sends your brain in that direction. Right. And then again, the, the, I think the other human kind of natural inclination is that it seems, I don't know this, I don't know these people, of course, but it, to my eye, it seems like Robert leaned toward thinking nothing is wrong. He's been flying for a super long time. He's had computer mm. errors before, right? He has not had a disaster on his hands before, right? So it's very natural, I think. And again, pilots are us- are chosen for their temperament, right? So his yeah. kind of natural inclination, he did what he was supposed to do ultimately, right? Like he, he if he hadn't turned back to uh, Lejas when he did, right, they wouldn't have made it, right? right. And then obviously he, he very, very, very successfully flew the plane and landed it. He fucking um, landed it is he what did. he did. He fucking landed it indeed. But he um, had kind of that natural bent to believe nothing was wrong. And Dirk kind of had the natural bent to that something is wrong, right? And he was yeah. right. He was right that something was wrong. Uh, but again, you... What, how do I say this? It is, there just is that like power difference, right? And it's not like, again, Robert didn't say like, you dumb kids, stop complaining about right. the fuel. Like he, he was, there wasn't anything like that. Sure. But just kind of all of those human factors, I guess all of the human factors. Yeah. And there are, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I mean, that's exactly it. Like as soon as you get the first, you know, like when your car breaks, if it doesn't like, I mean, not that we're a car. <laughs> mechanics or anything but it's like if your oil light and i don't know something else goes on it's like that don't that don't make sense there's something you know obviously you're thinking like oh maybe something is off or there's a sensor off or you know right like there's not what's the first thing you think you think like is my gas cap off or whatever exactly exactly or yeah all of that so there's um because everybody survived there's a lot of um interviews with the with people who are on board oh yeah and the different like ways that people responded to this idea a lot of people i mean the the fear in that cabin was so intense and like we are herd animals right like we just are we're social creatures and so like you do pick up on that fear from the people around you or some people will have the inverse and be super calm yeah and there was one guy who said that he was there with his sis, no, his wife and his brother-in-law. And they were like sitting together. I think that was it. Maybe his friend. I don't remember. But his, the guy he was with who wasn't interviewed was like talking to his dad who had died a few years before. Yeah. He was like talking, like kind of, you know, like not praying would be like a similar word, but I don't, I, he yeah, was no. just believed he was going to die. And he was like yeah. talking to his dad about how he was going to come see him. Yeah. And like people were so, so, so afraid. And there actually is uh, a, a really interesting article that we can post about um, somebody did research on the survivors of this flight, uh, like 
10 or 15 years later with brain scans to see how surviving a traumatic event mm. like changed their brain and stuff so there's we can post it it's really really interesting research wow, yeah yeah i'm glad they did that yeah it's a, i mean right it's a great um study it's a great study it's a great yeah. idea it's a great idea like a, a perfect cohort to to learn about that yeah and um they did so the the basic mistake back to that idea like they did have reason to think there was a fuel leak was opening that valve right mm, if they hadn't okay. opened the valve then they would have you know been able to fly to lisbon on their one engine right um but because they opened the valve all of the fuel was able to drain out of that um leak right. and so that's not great right <laughs> but again but you it's it's really easy to see why they didn't think that yeah. and again there are it's not like there's no reason back to that weight and balance issue right if you don't think there's a leak you don't want to be flying like an out of balance plane right yeah. it's not like that's free you know like right. that's so it's amazing to me that the the plane could fly on one engine for two hours i know right i know Jeez. it'd probably have to drop down like it'd probably have to get down to i don't know someone someone could tell us someone yeah. can write us a pilot <laughs> or a maintenance amazing, or anything though. right yeah yeah so that is air wow. transit 236 Every Wild. single time we get to the end and I say the name of it again, I'm like, I bet that I got that number wrong. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah, I think it was 236. Sounds good. Do you know what happened when everyone landed? Like, they had to stay in this military base for days until they could get another plane? Or I was absolutely thinking exactly the same thing. I don't know. Because that is, it's like a tiny island in the right. middle of the Atlantic Ocean, right? Very far away. It's not like there's, and there's, 300 what was it 300 and a couple people yeah right? it was like a lot a of huge, people I, it probably doubled the population of the island right like it's yeah not like, like there's not a huge military base on this tiny island right like right so um i don't know what happened but i do okay. that is a good thing to think about like that's something I, yeah i always think about that after like the 9-11 um yeah i think it was in canada right Right, right. And there's like Canadians on this plane. God. Exactly. It's I'm mostly Canadians, exactly. Right. And then oh, that happened like three weeks later. This is right. three weeks before nine eleven. Big Gosh. big year for Canada. Yeah, seriously. Big three but, weeks. Big three weeks. I know. Gosh. There's something um my it is one of the things my my dear darling mother, yeah, who listens to this podcast. Hi mom. Um is a nurse and one of the things we were talking about because it's part of what she thinks about in these stories is when there's a plane crash where there are lots of injuries in these remote places yeah. just how difficult it is to imagine being in like a small hospital and all of a sudden there's oh you know a hundred people who need your help right just right. how profoundly difficult that would be and yeah that's the thing like we we have a we pick a beginning and an end for these stories but obviously there's more beyond yes, it so much more yeah yeah i yeah. mean at this point thousands of lives impacted exactly every single yeah. time right and then yeah. and on a flight where every single person lived and nobody was seriously injured i've i've really like i don't know steered away from flights with like fire i know we did one but yeah. just I don't know, on those flights where, like, things catch fire, even when people survive, it's just like, ugh, but... 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. On that note, we're doing the Hangout uh, June 5th, Saturday, June 5th at 4 p.m. EDT. EDT. <laughs> I, have my, I have my fact for today, too. Oh, you do? You do? Okay, wait. So, friends, I want to hear the fact, but come to the thing. Email us, whatever. Email us so that you can come and watch TV with us. It'll be really fun. What is the fact? Okay, so, yes, please come. It is going to be fun. I'm very excited. Um, you can join me and going in without watching it beforehand, or you can watch it and watch it again with us. Yes. Your call. Yeah, either way. I hear it's that amazing that watching it multiple times is the norm. So. Yeah, I would. Join I mean, us. at least for me. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's the fact? Okay, so it's not necessarily a fact, but it was more. <laughs> no, no, perfect. I want to hear it. I'm dying. I can't wait. But it was. I thought of you because I was on, you know, one of those like obscure YouTube like black holes that you fall oh, into. Yeah. yeah. And I fell on this one video <laughs> about a mayor who lived in. Um, Okay, so it was this YouTube video about a mayor. I'm just going to, like, we're just going to spitball it. That's it was, it was a YouTube about a mayor. Uh, he was, like, a mayor of a town in Austria. And um, he was known, he was, like, well-known in the community, like, loved. And he was known for his really long beard. And I guess his oh beard was, like, over four feet oh my long. Gosh. Like, huge beard. And so, like, everyone loved him. He got, like, voted in a bunch of times, whatever. Then a fire breaks out in, like, the center of town, and he is the mayor, so he's, like, running over to help with the fire or whatever, because it's... Oh, I should mention it's, like, the 1500s. Okay, okay, got you. Yeah. So he's, like, running to... um, Yeah, he's, like, running to the fire to help put out the fire, and he fucking trips over his (gasps) beard and dies. He falls downstairs and dies. No! And... A, the museum of this town like that still exists they have his beard no! on display no for the world to see no so it is now our life mission to go see this beard. oh yeah <laughs> you Definitely. gotta look it up it's crazy i'll, I'll uh, post the link to the youtube video it is they just have how is it displayed it's like in a glass case just like laid out wow <laughs> wow that it is weird that like hair never degrades yes so it'll be there forever right so i guess that's the fact hair never degrades okay there we go bingo (laughs) yeah oh my gosh so crazy right that that only a story that a youtube black hole could produce yes indeed definitely (laughs) yeah yeah that's either Um, like backpacking and ending up in like a really small town exactly yeah oh my gosh have you ever um seen uh what are they what are the um what are like pieces of saints called in catholicism like you have a you have like a little piece not horde carcasses <laughs> no 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 <laughs> but same um, idea I think. right um i have no idea i'm gonna look it up I, the sacraments no no uh, oh, that's like communion like, right yeah Catholic listeners, message us. Sorry, um, we're... peace, peace of saint. How do I search for this? Peace, peace of saint. 
Relic. 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 There okay, it is. Piece of Saint pulled it right up. So. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so have you have you um like been somewhere where you've seen like relics or anything like that? Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I don't know a different. Maybe they have a relic at the uh, cloisters. I don't know, mm, but yeah. the yes, the, they do. Do they? Yeah, yeah. There you go. There's some wild relics out there. Yeah, and a lot of times it is like, oh my gosh, there's a relic in in um Hungary, right? In Budapest, there's like a couple relics, kind of in like a relatively close to one another yeah in different like churches or like squares and stuff and they're it's so ghoulish right like i don't know right. is this disrespectful i think it's really cool i think it's super cool that that guy's beard is there i think yeah, if, right. if somebody was like do you want the hand of saint catherine i'd be like give me that hand like i give totally it to get me. it it's just that it's also ghoulish right yes. like it's cool yes. i went to look at it on purpose i was like oh i'm gonna go see the relic but it's also like when you get there, it's like, oh, this is like a shriveled up part of a human. Like, yes. uh, uh, but yes. I don't know. Maybe. Ooh, right. I know. It's That's so been cool. saved for a really long time. Right. Exactly. Like multiple exactly. generations of humans thought that thing was worth keeping. Saving. Yeah. 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 And like protecting and right. venerating. So it is, it's very, very, there's, we could go on a whole like spiritual conversation from here because I yeah. do think that um, I was listening to a like, a uh, catholic priest on mm. youtube of course yeah. talking about how um there's like a unique relationship in catholicism to kind of things like non-dualism right the idea that you're not separate from your body that that like everything is happening in like physical space and spiritual space and mm. and the physical is not inferior to the spiritual and um somehow i feel like that's how you ended up keeping pieces of people right and like yeah don't yep. like do it good uh yeah cool. so if you're catholic we love you send us a message and tell oh, us 1 more percent. tell us about your local relics even if you're not catholic there's like lots of cool relics in different places yeah in, in europe obviously so if you live in one of those cool places in europe with relics send us a picture of your local relic yeah we would love that we would love it we would put it on the instagram and if anybody knows what i'm talking about with this beard and you live near this town. Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. We're going to crash to your house. Yeah, yeah. Get ready. Because we're coming to visit. We're vaccinated. It's fine. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we Fully. are. <sighs> Okie dokie, Smokey. I love you. I love you. Thank you so much. Oh, uh, email us at thepodcrash.gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok. Email us at thepodcrash.gmail.com. Is that what I just said? Yep. Come to the hangout. <laughs> Rate, Come review, subscribe. Hangout. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you said that. Could you guys, like, in all seriousness, would you leave a review for us, please? Like, if on Apple, I think that's the only thing that we're listed on that you can review on. But if you have a minute to leave us a review, it obviously makes a big difference. Yeah. And we like reading them. Yeah. Um, but even if you just do the stars thing, that's fine, too. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Awesome. We love you. We do. And I love you, Mariah. I love you, too, Casey. All right. Have a great week. You, too. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Pod Crashed. We so hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as always, if you notice something that we got wrong, please email us and let us know. You can email us or find us on Instagram or TikTok. Email is thepodcrashed at gmail.com. 
If you have time to review us on Apple Podcasts, it is a huge help and it would be so, so, so good and so kind of you to uh, take the time to write a review for us. We love feedback and it helps people find the show. We'll look forward to hearing from you this week and you can look forward to hearing from us next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.